Hi, this is Danielle Krissa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 199 of Art for Your Ear. Today's episode is a long time coming. I wrote about Trinidadian-born, Florida-based artist Anika Jones almost a year ago, just as she was graduating from her BFA at the University of Tampa. And then I wrote about her again only a few months later when her artwork was on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, yeah. (laughs) I am so excited to share our conversation with you. It's a good one. Okay, now remember back in the day when I used to do the sneaky, are you still there, little add-ons to the episodes before the artist caught on and realized that I was still recording? Yes, well, once this interview was quote-unquote over, I remembered the question that I was going to ask that sort of dropped out of my mind partway through the episode. I have it stitched back in at the end so that you can hear it too. And when I say I stitched in, I actually mean my wonderful husband slash producer, Greg, made the, made the editing magic happen. <laughs> All right, now that you know how things work over here, let's jump into today's episode, calling Anika Jones in Florida. Hi, Anika. Welcome to Art for Your Ear. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know we well we you know kind of met quote unquote met on um, Instagram last year, and I, I'm so happy to have you here. And actually, like we're looking at each other on video, even though both of us really are not enjoying this whole uh, video Zoom world. <laughs> yes, I would definitely say that like the virtual side has changed things positively, of course, from us meeting, but. Of course, yeah. it has that negative side of like, you have to have yourself presentation ready for <laughs> video. Uh, well, I'm not, and I'm okay with that. But I'm so excited that you're here. I have so many questions for you. I cannot wait to hear your story. Um, and so with that, let's start out when you were little. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? And were you making stuff even back then? Of course. So I actually grew up and was born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago. It's a twin island republic in the Caribbean, but I actually was born in Trinidad itself, um, that island. And for a while, I think I just had a natural urge to create. I was always drawing or drawn to colors or even when I was at high school or at prep school very, very early on. I would be more in tuned in art class and even in my other science or math classes, I would be more focused on making sure that my lines were straight when I was drawing my tables or making sure that I was drawing the skeletal system to perfection rather than actually paying attention to the lesson at hand. (laughs) So I think that kind of developed and transformed into the artist that I am today because one, I'm not too good with sciences, anything dealing with science. You can ask me and I'm like, I'm a blank because I just wasn't paying attention. But it, it just forced me to continue creating because I realized that I had a passion for it very, very early on. And I was always influenced by the Caribbean culture and the Trinidadian culture and the colors and different ethnicities, just because Trinidad was a melting pot of different people. It's not just people of African descent, Um, different cultures. And that kind of was embedded in my work very, very early on and kind of transformed into what I create today. Mm. What what kind of other cultures are there? Um, So basically, again, different ethnicities. So 
a lot of people don't even know, they would think that if they see someone that's Caucasian in Trinidad that they're a tourist, but there are Chinese and different Indian, different cultures that basically come together, especially during something that we call carnival. We have this two-day parade every year where the entire country basically just locks down and we go out <laughs> on the street and have these different costumes, etc. And as people of different races, and it brings in a lot of uh, other cultures, even from America or other countries that actually come to Trinidad specifically just to party with us just for that day. So I've enjoyed my time in Trinidad knowing that I'm able to experience different cultures even at home and feel at home in a place where everyone has a space and it's not just limited to one ethnicity or one type of culture. That's so beautiful. And so when you, um, when did you come to the States? Did you come for school, like for university or? Yes. So during my time in Trinidad, I, I really enjoyed my time making art there. But as I continued while I was in high school, I realized that I was entering certain competitions and getting a lot of achievements, placing first for experimental painting. I even placed first in my CSEC examinations, which are these huge exams that we take at the end of high school. And it's basically judging all of these students across the Caribbean. So not just Trinidad wow. and Tobago. And I had actually placed first in the Caribbean twice for that. <laughs> and that awarded me a scholarship to study anywhere in the world from the Ministry of Education in Trinidad. Oh and I God. said, yeah, I said I needed to experience art in a more contemporary sense. And of course, experience other cultures. So this is a blessing in disguise, this national scholarship, because it allowed me to kind of look beyond the Trinidad, still appreciating my culture, but look for other spaces where I could immerse myself in art. And that's when I discovered Tampa and Florida and it being kind of home away from home in terms of the similarities of the weather. One. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I could not survive, literally, I cannot survive somewhere that's way too cold. Oh, I was um, like, yeah, I guess New York's off the list. <laughs> yes, definitely. A lot of people were telling me, you should go to New York. Like, that's where, like, the art scene is really, like, you're going to be successful there for sure. And I'm like, yeah, I, it's a bit too busy for me. And the weather, is, it's a bit too much. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I came to the United States officially in 2016. Of course, I had visited for vacation and stuff before, but this was the first time that I would be living here and experiencing life as a student, basically. And I attended the University of Tampa. Mm -hmm. And were you already doing embroidery or were you painting when you arrived? I had never done embroidery in my what? life. Oh my God, that was one of my, you know, when you were a baby, were you doing embroidery? Because it seems like you must have started a really long time ago. So many people are shocked when I tell them it's only been about two years that I've been doing embroidery. Wow. Okay. So you showed up in 2016 as a painting major. Was that your plan? Yes. So yeah. I just planned to be a hyper-realistic painter or even getting into drawing a lot more. I was into just capturing that photorealism of it looking like a photo, whether it was a drawing or a painting. And as I continued taking classes and I took this experimental painting class at the University of Tampa thinking, oh, I'm just going to experiment with paint. It's experimental right. painting. <laughs> I'm just going to experiment more with paint. Like, and then that class completely transformed me as an individual and my artistic style because I, 
I wasn't using paint anymore. I was using embroidery. So, and why did you pick that if that was not something you had done? Why did you choose thread? Um, I was, so my professor actually gave us a list of all of these other artists that were using non-traditional materials. Some people were using bread. Some people were using <laughs> pencil that's, shaping. That's so typical, bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just everyday materials that you would not consider uh, artwork or consider something to make a piece of fine art. And I was going through the list and I came across an artist that was using embroidery. And I was thinking to myself, hmm, how can I still align this photorealism, not going too off course with the material so that it's too challenging for me to actually capture this. Let me start with something that maybe I can test out as an experiment and see if it works. So I actually chose a portrait that my sister had taken of me in Trinidad right that summer before I came back to the United States and I said I'm gonna do a picture of myself using this embroidery technique but I want to do myself just to play it safe just in case it doesn't like the eyes don't come out right you know I won't be mad at myself if I'm looking at this photo so that was my first ever time experimenting with embroidery in my life wow and did it come easily to you it's it did which was surprising it came easily but I think it gave me more patience because when I first that piece when I first started I was like I'm like this semester is going to be done and I'm only going to have an eye done to show yeah, at the end yes exactly <laughs> and I think we had to create a body of at least three pieces or it was three to five pieces and I'm thinking to myself oh my gosh I should have chosen the bread or I should have chosen an <laughs> another material that I could just get this done quickly and the more I did it and the more I went to class and my professor was seeing my progress, he just kept telling me, Anika, keep going. Like, even if you produce this one piece, I think you're going to see what you could do with embroidery. And from the progress that I'm seeing, like, it's, it's coming along really nicely. Right. Keep going. So, yeah, how, how, big was, were the, how big were the three pieces that you did? I hope they were tiny. <laughs> so the first ever one that I did was, I believe, 16 by 20 inches. So, oh my word. Yeah. Um, I would have done I, a nice little four by six. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. It's, it was either the bread or like going smaller. Yeah. Either way, I think that would have been a better choice. But I'm still happy that I was able to like experiment and notice that I had, again, that natural urge to just continue stitching in the canvas regardless of how long it took me. Yeah. And that's... um. What an amazing professor, too, to see that this was actually working for you. And what a cool class to yeah, I think force you to, to have to think outside the box. That was one of my favorite classes at the University yeah. of Tampa, hands down. So was, was that in 2018? Were you a couple of years into school when you did that? Yeah, I think that was in 2018. Yeah, because yeah, that would make it the two or three years that I've been doing right. the and so after that, because I know you still have paint in your work, but after that, uh, was embroidery in everything that you did after that? Uh, yeah, mostly every single piece. I think now I would call myself like a full-time embroidery artist. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a painter. I still do paintings in terms of like commissions or I'll do paint and try to mix it with something else, try to mix it with embroidery. I can't, I don't think I could ever just see myself doing flat paintings 
ever again. Right. You've you've opened the <laughs> the, the window, <laughs> and that's the end of that. Yeah. Um, and so, um, one of the really beautiful things about your work is the way that you you can tell that you were a realist painter before because of the way that you kind of blend the thread. Right. You know, to get the the color. So I'm. That's why I can't believe you've been doing this for such a short time because. Uh, I mean, every new piece must be an experiment in a way to, to kind of hone your craft and figure out how to blend. And um, so when you first started doing it, were you already trying to blend like that? I think when I first started doing it, I was, what I actually did was went to Walmart and just picked up the cheapest pack of embroidery floss that I could get. Cause I'm like, I know I'm probably going to mess this up. <laughs> and since I'm just doing my self portrait, I want to play it safe. And so the colors in that set were very limited. Mm. And with paint, I just have the ability to mix whatever color I want, regardless of how limited the, the purity of the paint is, I'm still able to like dip into different colors and mix that color that I actually want. Whereas with embroidery thread, I just have that one string and it's that color, it's not gonna change. Right. And so at the start, I don't think I was, into capturing skin tones as much. I think I just wanted to know how could I manipulate these colors so that I could kind of like overlap certain colors or put one color next to each other so that it gives the illusion that it is shading or it gives the illusion that there are hues or it's changing in skin tone where it's lighter on the face or darker on the face. And I wasn't necessarily using browns or different colors that you would see in my actual skin tone. It was pinks and yellows. And that was kind of just a combination of all of those different colors that I was limited by. And that kind of created that shading effect. Wow. And then, so when you're like, okay, this is a thing that I'm going to be doing now. Did you go and buy all of the colors of the thread? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think eventually I started kind of pushing myself to incorporate different colors and different shades. So now I, I definitely have a larger stock than just what I bought from Walmart initially. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think as I grow and as I experiment, I'll continue to add more things and not just focusing on embroidery, adding more materials, rope, yarn, etc. Mm. Kind of combining that. I think that's what I'm focusing on right now. Yeah. And condoms. And condoms. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about the condoms. That was during school still. And I should point out to everyone, you just graduated a year ago. Yes. Not even a year ago. Yeah. During the (laughs) pandemic. I know you didn't get your ceremony, like nothing. I know it's just heartbreaking. Um, That didn't stop you from getting a lot of attention as you graduated though. But anyway, so when did condoms show up? So condoms actually show up before I actually started with embroidery. Oh. I, I, I believe this was maybe another experimental class. I can't remember the name of it, forgive me. But it was a class that required you not necessarily to not use paint or to use a non-traditional material, but it required you to think outside of the box and think about what you truly wanted to create as an artist. Mm. So my professor actually did interviews with us individually and kind of spoke to us about what we were influenced by, what we wanted our artwork to speak about. And then he actually just emailed us 
whatever material that we needed to get. Oh, so, based on that interview? Based on that interview. Oh my gosh, okay. So, you know, I did the interview, I spoke with him, answered all of his questions. You know, I, I thought the questions, I thought it went well. And then, <laughs> you know, I went home and then I opened my laptop the next day and then I see the email headline is like materials for next assignment. And the first line is gather hundreds of condoms. So I'm like looking around <laughs> and I'm like, maybe he sent this email to me in error. Like, I don't know if this was meant for me. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should just go into school, not respond to the email. I'll go into school and like ask him if, you know, this was meant for me. Maybe there's a mix up or whatever. So I go to class the next day and I'm asking everyone what materials they got. And people are like, oh, I got um, cups or you know, regular things that regular students would get for an assignment. And then he came, he actually came up to me and he was like, did you get my email with the condoms? So I had to kind of try to figure out a way to remember what I had spoken about in that interview and connect it to these materials because he wasn't giving any further instruction. He just gave you the materials and you had to come up with that concept and find a way to connect it with your work. And so at the time, I remember speaking about uh, women and women's rights and what was happening with women at the time and the rise of sex trafficking and the rise of young girls going missing, etc. And the more research that I did is the more that I realized that I could use these condoms as a symbol of sex, mm. but kind of incorporate that into a composition that uses symbolism and the same portraiture, the same realism that I wanted to capture before, combining all of those things to create this series of work that highlighted these victims of sexu sexual abuse and highlighting that narrative of raising awareness about sex trafficking and human trafficking. And yeah, that's, it just kind of came full circle. Literally a circle. They look like polka dots all over it. Okay, <laughs> where did you go to get hundreds of condoms? That was the next thing. Why I didn't <laughs> respond to the email. Walmart? I'm like, this guy is crazy if he thinks I'm going to go to Walmart and be like, hi, can I have hundreds of condoms? Please? It's going to be a big weekend, everybody. I'm <laughs> <laughs> So I actually, the first time I was so embarrassed by it that I actually just ordered them in bulk on Amazon. Oh. <laughs> so there you go. I love it. So that I didn't have to like actually go in person and ask anyone for anything. <laughs> oh my God. That is hilarious. Okay. So did you, um, cause I know they're all very colorful. I haven't right. looked closely enough. Did you paint, did you paint them or did you order the colors that you wanted? No, so I painted each of them individually. So what I did was I actually, <laughs> I stuck them onto the canvas at first with gesso and then went on top of that once it was dry, okay. which is a whole process because, because of how like lubricated the condoms were, like they need so many layers of gesso and yeah. So at first I was extremely uncomfortable with the process as well as like just everything. <laughs> did you have roommates? I did, but I actually worked in the studio at that oh, okay. time. Okay, I was so like, <laughs> your roommates are like, um, what's the crazy art student doing over there? <laughs> um, well, you know, it's so interesting too that, because it is such an uncomfortable subject, you know, right. that it is taboo. And 
people don't want to talk about it because it is uncomfortable and these girls go missing and you feel like, well, what can I even do about it? It's just, and then for the, the fact that you actually felt uncomfortable from the moment that email came right through having to order them, then having to paint over the lube, like, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Like it kind of made it like this full, full experience for you in a way. Of course. And then me having my Caribbean background, telling my parents that like Caribbean parents, well, most Caribbean parents are pretty strict. So, (laughs) and my parents were were those types of parents. So when I first told them about it, they were like, huh, what do you mean you're going to be using condoms? Like I I moved to America and I just (laughs) ordered 300 condoms on Amazon. (laughs) I won't be coming home soon. Yeah, so at first it was hard for them as well, knowing that their daughter is in a totally different country. And she originally went over there just doing paintings, you know, colorful paintings. And now she's flipped to working with condoms. Yeah. But I think that a male professor suggested she buy. Right, right. (laughs) Like if that had come from a female professor, it would have had a different vibe. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, but once they saw the artwork and saw the series kind of coming together and understood the meaning behind it. I think that's when they started to be like, okay, this is making a lot more sense. And this is definitely something that it's good that you experimented with it. I mean, at first we were like, what's going on, but you know, (laughs) it all makes sense. Do you have siblings? I do. I have three older sisters. And are any of them in the arts? Uh, no, not really. They're more into maybe like interior design or um, salon stuff or very critical thinking. But I think I am the only one that's really like hands-on artsy artist. Right. And you're the yeah. baby. Yes. And yeah. So this is a lot for parents to take in, you know, yes. like if you'd had older siblings who'd kind of like, you know, paved the way, but this is new information. Definitely. Definitely. Um, And so why, you know, what was it about that time that was making you think about all these issues with sex trafficking and and things like that? What what was going on that made you, you know, answer those questions that way? I think at the time in 2016, when I was making my transition from Trinidad and Tobago into the U.S., again, there was there was that there was people were speaking about it but it wasn't being spoken about and kept in the media for a long time so it would be issues of these girls maybe going for interviews and then they would turn up they wouldn't turn up and they would go missing uh or kidnappings and you were hearing certain people mentioning oh there's human trafficking you shouldn't go here and my parents were just becoming a lot more strict with having me go out with my friends and staying out too late etc and then when I came to the U.S., I'm like, oh, thank God, like I can be free. I don't have my parents over me um, and telling me, you know, what time I should be home and I should be safe and all of that. But at the time when you're young, you, you just want to have fun and, you know, you're exploring. But when I really sat down and thought about it and really started doing my research, I realized that there were these high statistics about, you know, young girls and women being used for sex trafficking, basically just being sold as commodities. And it was kind of the same pattern of seeing these missing girls and seeing these young girls going missing. When I came to the US and 
So I think having that, having experienced those issues, those social issues in different parts of the world, I realized that it was something that was global and not just subject to Trinidad and just having Caribbean parents that were strict, that just didn't want you to have a great life when you're young. It (laughs) It was them, you know, showing concern because they love you and they want to keep you safe. But also there's this huge, massive issue of human trafficking that's happening and sex trafficking that's happening and sexual abuse that nobody is comfortable speaking about. And the only time you would really hear about it being spoken about is the mothers or the fathers or the parents of these young girls that have gone missing that are putting out a plea to the the, um, society and community to help them find their daughters or to help prevent this from happening to other people. So I kind of thought it was important for me to bring another perspective and not just hearing from the parents, but hearing from an artist Mm -hmm. and hearing from an individual in society that is concerned about this. And how can we change this narrative and help bring awareness about it outside of just that victim's family, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's so... um insightful and amazing uh and you're so young to be thinking about that but that's you know that's kind of the other interesting thing is you know not the the view of the parents whose child is missing but um a young girl who could have been taken if your parents hadn't said get home by this time right um and so now that your work is sort of continuing and you have graduated without a party i know (laughs) Don't remind me. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Um, I know you did your your traffic light series that was again sort of um, in that same camp. That was right before you. Was that your graduation show? Yes. Well, yeah. it was supposed to be the pieces for my graduation show. Yeah. Basically. So did they hang the show, but then nobody could go to it, or what happened with those pieces? No. So what happened was actually everyone was just forbidden from going to the studio itself so we had to pack all our things up and I just transitioned to working from at home and I couldn't work on my larger paintings with the condoms etc because my space was not ventilated properly and I just didn't want to risk it for myself that's when I started more so working on the smaller pieces and kind of honing in on my embroidery and making sure that that series was one that represented what I wanted it to represent as I was leaving, like transitioning from a student to becoming, you know, a full-time artist. And so basically the pieces weren't hung like at a physical venue, but what they did have was like, they had us send in photos of the pieces that we had made while we were at home and kind of showcase that on the website or anywhere that they could find like a visual space online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How frustrating. Um, but those pieces are gorgeous. Like with the the one that has the fringe hanging down. Right. Um, and was that sort of part of what you were saying about like wanting to start pushing the materials, like heading towards rope or heading towards whatever? <clears throat> like when you said that earlier, I, that, that, that was the piece I first thought of. Right. Was with that fringe. So I think with that piece and the idea or the concept of having the embroidery actually break the border of the canvas, That was actually the second piece that I did that having the fringe come off of the canvas with. And I think the first one was so successful because a lot of people would just, again, look at the painting or look at the artwork and think that it was a painting. Yeah. Or they would think that it was a drawing and then they would like just walk off. 
And mm. when I started showing at exhibitions and festivals, etc., the one piece that they were drawn into or captivated by was the one that had the embroidery hanging off of the canvas. Oh, and that was when someone actually turned to another person and they were like, wait, this is embroidered. Like these are stitches, these aren't paintings. And she said it loud enough so that other people around her were like, wait, what? And they actually turned back and they came to the piece and started looking did at it Did you overhear more. that or did someone yeah. tell you? Oh, you overheard it, oh my God. Yeah, and it happened multiple times throughout my, my time at the festival. I was at Gasparilla Festival of the Arts at the time. And so, yeah, I experienced it happening over and over and over again. And I realized that it was something that allowed people to notice the material, but also it was that metaphor of breaking the cycle of this thing happening over and over and over again. And we mentioning it for a short period of time, but not speaking about it from different perspectives. Mm. And so with my Targets Variegated series, I thought, I needed to bring back that concept of having it break the border, that red border that you see on each of the pieces, um, kind of like girls or women breaking that silence mm. and of course breaking the cycle, but also hinting that, hey, this is a different material. It's not, it's not painted. Um, each stitch is intentional in this portrait and you need to pay attention to the details and the texture but go behind that and look at the symbolism in, in the piece and try to understand the story that it's telling. Mm -hmm. Wow. <clears throat> so I'll tell you, when I was graduating from art school, I was not this smart. <laughs> this is so well thought out. And um, do you find, like, were you, is this just how you've thought? Like, is this just how you think? Or did you find that the professors were really great and kind of pushed you to think conceptually? I think very early on, my work was narrative in the sense that when I created work when I was in Trinidad and <clears throat> excuse me, transitioning into the US, I was painting portraits of these people capturing these scenes of everyday life. So like a scene with my sisters, my mother had this photo of my sisters after they had attended church and they were at home just looking at different photos on the table in their like church dresses and had their hair done for church, everything. And that picture, like just capturing those moments of time in Trinidad was something that I was into capturing moments from the street parade, et cetera. That was what I would look at and paint. And so my work was, was very narrative at first, but I don't think it was rooted in activism. And I think mm -hmm. when I came to the University of Tampa and I transitioned, my professors saw that I had the potential um, because when they would give me assignments, I never really thought of my assignments as assignments. I thought of it as, okay, this is another work of art that I'm going to create. You know, how can I really develop this so that I'm telling a story, but you can look at it and you know that it's a piece from Anika Jones. Mm -hmm. And so with specific assignments, yes, each student would do or incorporate their own artistic style into the assignment. But I think that's when I started really doing my research before I created a piece. And that's when I started saying, okay, there's an issue of colorism within um, the black community or the Latino community where, you know, certain preferences of dark skinned people are preferred or lighter skinned people are preferred, or there's a spectrum where, you know, there were just discrimination in terms of that or, I would focus on, again on the issue of women. And I think 
little hints of me doing my research and getting the prompts from my professors for these assignments, whether it's in the form of just an interview and then they give me the material or, you know, they sit down and they speak with me about what material I chose. That's when my work really started to transform from just being narrative to being a vehicle for activism. Mm-hmm. So I think they kind of gave me that push, but it was always there naturally. They just kind of brought it out by these different hints or different assignments. Mm-hmm. And speaking on race, did you, um, what was it like in Trinidad versus being in Florida? Like in Trinidad, did you ever experience, like, was there that sort of issue of skin color or was it enough of a melting pot that that didn't matter? No, I, it was the same issue of, you know, even from a very young age, like being in high school, there would be children that would make comments about, oh, your skin is so dark, or you shouldn't stay out in the sun for too long, um, <laughs> or you can't get a tan because you're so dark, or they'll pick on the lighter skinned students and be like, oh, you're acting like a white girl, or, you know, making certain different comments that of course, would make students or young children at that time uncomfortable. And those things stick with you throughout your adult life. And so even though it was a melting pot, again, there's this beauty in me wanting to capture my sisters in that photo and wanting to capture these these smiles in the street parade. But there's also the ugly side of things that people don't want to address, where there's the issue of colorism or the issue of um, discrimination just based on ethnicity or culture or whatever and I think I had seen that in Trinidad as well as in the United States Mm -hmm. well let's let let that lead us into you stitching a piece of the um, American flag for the cover of Time magazine right because that happened as you're graduating and Black Lives Matter was in full force and um first of all how did that come about had you were you had you graduated when they reached out to you to do that yes i believe it was three months after graduation and so after i had graduated i actually graduated from the university of tampa with my bfa but also a minor in marketing so smart yes i think every artist i read that on your resume and i was like Oh, that's just so smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think the minor in marketing kind of helps me push my brand side of it. Whereas the artist part just, you know, of course, it's my technical skill and me being able to create pieces. But losing my graduation and losing the final show, I started thinking of ways that I can still get my artwork out there regardless of if I'm not able to have that in-person interaction and be at festivals or be at exhibitions. And so I started posting a lot more on Instagram and posting a lot more on Facebook as well. And what I do with my Instagram is post the process or the progress of my work. A lot of artists usually just post the final piece, but I think with my Instagram, it's different in the sense that you get to kind of develop the piece with me and see how things actually come about and notice the material before it's actually final. Right. And so I just continued posting and posting and a lot more things were happening around the time just because of the pandemic. Of course, the situation with George Floyd had brought about these massive protests about 
you know, Black Lives Matter and all of these different social issues that were going on at the time. And it was just very chaotic. And I sat for a while and I thought to myself, I wanted to take a break from the embroidery and I wanted to create a painting again because I had just been doing embroidery for so long, but being inside for so long and just focusing on doing that embroidery series, I wanted something different and outside to just give me a sense of a new environment. And I actually decided to paint a portrait of George Floyd and record that process and me actually in action of doing the work. And I posted that on Instagram. You know, of course, saying, making the statement that Black lives do matter and capturing him as people would have seen him before he had passed and that essence of him as a person. And I think from me posting the continuous images as well as posting that video, it captured the attention of a director from Time Magazine. His name is Victor Williams. And he sent me an email initially speaking about how he had seen my work and he had seen the embroidered pieces and again, thought that they were paintings. (laughs) And when he like dug further and realized that, you know, my work was actually hand stitched. I'm not using a machine. I'm not using something that's making multiple stitches throughout the canvas. Um, He knew that he wanted to do something in connection with time specifically for that issue that they were putting out, especially with all of the chaos that was happening. And it was an issue where they wanted to focus on America changing this narrative and actually leading towards a more optimistic and unified nation and using symbolism to do that. And that's kind of how we came about the American flag, because, of course, you have national pride with the American flag and it's supposed to symbolize that unity. But I think as a as a a community and as one we all need to come together and kind of rework that narrative so that it truly represents that and not just it's this gloss over image that we're using to kind of hide the problems that are actually happening Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of how we started using the flag and changing the orientation of it putting it vertically and making it incomplete leaving the needle in the canvas so that it's sharing that it's this work in progress or work in process and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Wow, so powerful. I w- I it was so funny because I wrote about you I think 2 weeks after you graduated. Right. And um we hadn't I mean we'd messaged on Instagram but I was so proud of you. Like I felt like a mama bear. I was just like, "Oh my god." When that <laughs> when I saw when you posted that, I reposted it immediately cuz I just felt like just so proud of you. I was like, oh, she is kicking ass and taking names. And this is amazing. So when that happened, were you sort of pinching yourself that this email had come and asked you to do that? Yeah. So I've never told this story before. Maybe I've told it to a couple of people in my closest circle, but this was actually the second time that Victor was reaching out to me for this cover. The first time he reached out to me Uh, It was for just basically using my artwork in an article that they thought it would be helpful for within the magazine Mm -hmm. and maybe potentially using it on the cover, but we were kind of going back and forth and then they decided to use another artist. So at first I was extremely disappointed because I'm like, oh no, I I lost my opportunity to be in Time Magazine and or be on the cover. And about a month or so later, Victor during that time he told me don't worry about it trust me I see potential in your work and I see that you know we can use this in the future 
And so about a month ago after that, he reached out again. And at first I was thinking to myself, is this actually going to go through this time? Because one, the first time I didn't even believe it was him or <laughs> that he was real when he reached out to me. I thought like somebody was actually just pulling a scam on me. Yeah, <laughs> I would think exactly the same thing. Yeah, because he just messaged through, well, I saw the message come through via email. And I'm thinking to myself, is this like, is this how time usually contacts people? Like, how would they select me of all people? Like, I just graduated. Wait a minute. Are you a Nigerian prince and now you want my bank account info? What's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So at first, I was just extremely skeptical. But the second time around, you know, I actually be video called and everything so that I made sure that everything was legit before I sat down and made this artwork. And then it right. my work is all over the place and I'm not getting credit for it or it, it is a scam, you know? Right. So that feeling was just, one was a feeling of me having doubt that this was actually happening, but also feeling like, is this a scam? I need to do my research. I need to make sure. But then that kind of changed as I saw my work on the cover, it changed to like this blissful feeling and just feeling very rewarding and proud that even as a Caribbean artist and as a Trinidadian artist, me making the American flag, I don't think I had received any like feedback or negative feedback that said, oh, you're Trinidadian, you shouldn't be doing the American flag. And that I was, I was the night of making the piece because I was thinking, hmm, the flag is not in its normal orientation. I'm changing the colors. It's not as it usually is. What are people going to think of this piece? But then I thought to myself as well, it's not that you're damaging the flag or doing, trying to portray it in a negative way. You know, there's a reason that you're doing this and it's so that there's optimism for a better future and a more unified nation for America. Mm-hmm. And you've been in America for about four years, four or three years now as a student. So you are a part of this culture, regardless of if you're Trinidadian, regardless of if you're from the Caribbean, I'm still a part of it. And so I was kind of anticipating a little bit about negative feedback, but I, from what I have seen, at least no one has reached out to me and said, oh, you shouldn't have done that or, you know, which is, I think I'm very proud of that. Mm -hmm. What did your parents think? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I actually kept it from them until the morning of like, until I saw my work on the cover, they yeah. posted it and tagged me. I called my mother cause I was having a conversation with her before. And I think I told her that I had a surprise for her later this week. Cause I wasn't sure when they were going to post it. Right. And as soon as I came off the phone with her, I saw my Instagram like blowing up. So I immediately like checked what I was tagged in and I saw that time I posted it. And I called her back right away and I was like, the surprise is here. I'm on the cover of Time Magazine. And she, like her mouth made an O, her jaw dropped. She was like, I can't believe it. So she actually, she doesn't have an Instagram herself. So she went on my sister's Instagram and they were like going through and showing her. Um, but both of my parents, my dad, I don't think he was there at the time, but I know that he, he has an Instagram as well. Like he's making sure and <laughs> checking. He was telling me, oh my God, your followers are going up by like, basically by the second at that time. Um, So they were both very proud of me. That's amazing. Okay, so how do you come off of that? When was that? That was like in the fall? It was August, September. August, September, okay. And um, so what, 
<laughs> what do you do with yourself after that? And what have you been doing sort of through, you know, this is still not over. We're still tucked away. Um, are you still in Florida? Yes. Okay. So I'm currently still in Florida. Okay. And so what have you been doing during the winter and until now? Uh, so I think after that, uh, it was very intimidating <laughs> because I'm like, okay, I went from graduating from college. Not that anything is wrong with that, but I went from being at this specific level and doing this type of work and showing it in a classroom setting to having my work seen on an international scale (laughs) and now having all of these interviews coming about and just more opportunities coming my way which I was very thankful for at the time and I kind of was like yes yes yeah like I was just saying yes to (laughs) everything because I I didn't want to lose any opportunities and so I think that kind of continued to flow to the point where I got a keynote speaker event at adobe max last year and i was able to work with a commission painting for the washington post and so now i'm just kind of trying to continue making artwork and kind of keep up with myself because i don't want to be that artist that okay you made the cover of time and then you fell off uh, <laughs> yeah but i still want to continue to be true to myself and true to the artwork that i make and from that, I think I want those opportunities to come. I don't want my right. work to change to the point where I'm just making work for different publications. That may work for some others. Nothing's wrong with that. But for me specifically, I, I want to make work that's true to me. And then those opportunities come from that. Yeah. So, and what are you focusing on right now, sort of um, conceptually wise and materials? Right now, it's, again, embroidery, but I'm kind of broadening and expanding into experimenting with different ropes. I'm actually currently working. I did a shoot yesterday for a project with Save the Children that I can't give too much details about, but it's it's a huge project and it's very emotional. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to still, again, use my artistic style and the materials that I use, but kind of incorporating different materials and... I'm now actually working with silhouettes. So yes, I'm focused still on capturing the realism in my artwork and that kind of portraitist style. But I want to push myself beyond just being comfortable with making portraits. I think like my best work comes when I experiment. So I want to continue to experiment with silhouettes and fabrics and collages, kind of just seeing where my work could go from now. Mm, That's a great lesson to come away um, from school with is that so many people are afraid to experiment you know and I I am absolutely one of those people too it's like I I think that uh I love control any anxiety I have comes from lack of control and so experimenting when you're really good at one thing trying to do something that's so different like incorporating hundreds of condoms or um painting with thread or whatever it is it's a it's a leap you know it's a but the thing is, if you mess up, like if it doesn't work, okay. Right. Like nothing, ha- nothing happens. Um, right. And I think that we're, we're all taught to do things really well. And so it is scary to be like, oh, this might be a giant mess. Right. And I think that that, but you're right. That's where the happy accidents come from. And that's where, you know, y- your work gets pushed further. And um, it's so... Uh, you know, if everybody could take a page out of that book, 
you know, a lot more people would be making great art. Yeah. Those, those mess ups that lead to like the best pieces that you've ever created. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what was I just going to ask you? Uh, Time Magazine. Oh, and I had a question speaking of Instagram and sharing what you're doing on Instagram. I saw mm-hmm. the piece with the gigantic zipper. Right. Is that zipper painted or is that a gigantic zipper? It's painted. So many wow. people actually reached out to me and they were like, we thought that this was actually like you took a zipper and just like stuck it onto the canvas. I'm like, no, <laughs> I sat down for literally hours painting individually each highlight in the metal part of the zipper. Like it's painted. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's really cool. But you, like, there's a thing that you could do. You could get a fabrication studio to make you a gigantic zipper. Right. Get right. that right on there. Um, <laughs> so cool. And so when you are stitching for hours and hours or painting highlights for hours and hours, do you just kind of get into a zone or do you ever get bored and think, oh gosh, why did I make this, you know, huge? Or do you just kind of get into um, a flow? I think before I start, I get into a flow. And then I'm able to continue that flow as I'm in the creative process of actually making the artwork. If I don't feel like painting or doing embroidery or sitting at a desk for a day making art, I don't do it. Because if I force myself to do it, then I'm going to get bored and then I'm going to get frustrated. And then I'm just going to like try to do stuff to finish the piece and it's not going to look good. Right. So I've learned from my experiences and just feeling how I feel. I need to be in that zone before I start Ah, creating. And so what do you do on those days when, uh, because a lot of people feel this weird pressure that you're supposed to, you know, make every day. And, you know, I like the idea of being um, creatively present every day. That doesn't mean that you need to, you know, be sitting there for eight hours a day, but, you know, maybe you tidy your studio or maybe you go order more paint or whatever it is. But what do you do on the days where you're not in that zone? Uh, I think maybe just relax sometimes watch a movie or get other stuff done because of course it's not just making artwork that's part of having an art business you have administrative stuff emails etc so just taking a break I think is important and I'm telling myself this but I'm hoping that I'm actually internalizing it (laughs) because (laughs) like you said like sometimes you're just going eight or more hours a day sometimes I'll sit down for probably 13 hours a day stitching and that is what creates the for the next day it's terrible because I'm like totally checked out yeah so do your hands ever hurt when I first started yes because it was just a different process for me everything was weird with the positioning like my elbow was like what's going on my shoulder was like (laughs) we're not connected it was just a mess but I think now I've gotten into the rhythm sometimes I'll like stick myself and bleed a little bit but it's all part of it's all part of the fun. <laughs> you don't bleed; it's not real art, Ooh, right? <laughs> a few drips on the canvas just to really prove that you were there and in it. <laughs> My artistic signature in the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I've been working with um, broken ceramics lately, and right. sometimes when I pick them up, I'll cut myself. Right? Oh, geez. And uh, I was like, "Look at that!" I'm just. <laughs> just really doing it. I'm really literally putting blood, sweat, and tears into my work now. Right. I'm satisfying. Um, anyway. Okay. So here we are. It's like 
almost exactly a year later since the first time I found you. I don't even know how I found you. I'm so glad I did. I don't even know how you came across my feed, but you did. Um, right now, where are you? What are there projects that people can see? Are there projects that you really, really want to make happen that you want to say out loud so the universe hears? Like what's going on right now? Um, so right now, well, I'm currently in Tampa still, but I'm working on trying to have a body of work. And when I say body, I mean like different series of works where I'm able to have all of them in the same space at once. Cause I feel like during the pandemic, like my work kind of sold very quickly. So as I made something, it would sell. And that's still kind of happening right now, which is not a bad problem to have. I was going to say, that's just, a pretty good problem. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to have, for other words, a solo exhibition where mm -hmm. I have my work in a space where I can see all of them at once. And then they mm -hmm. can go individually after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so right now I'm working on trying to develop a body of work. And trying to find that balance of, okay, posting, I need to post on Instagram to make sure that I keep, you know, my supporters and that our community engaged. But I also need to take the time to actually have time for myself and have time to make artwork. Mm -hmm. And so right now, that's, that's basically what I'm doing. I have someone proposed to me for an exhibition in Italy next year. So I'm trying right now to kind of raise funds because I know that's going to cost me a lot with shipping the artwork and if it's an installation that I decide to do, et cetera. So kind of working my way up to that. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Um, in Venice? Yes. Yes. I'm, go <laughs> I, I'm going to be in Venice in 22. And I oh, imagine nice. if I get to stand in front of your work. <gasps> yes. Yes. Put like Let's make that happen. <laughs> Universe. Would you go? If I can, yes, most yeah. definitely. I think I've always wanted to go to Italy. So one, going to Italy, checked off my bucket list. And two, exhibiting there. Yeah, it's crazy. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> All this to say, I really hope I get to stand in front of your work in Italy and maybe even with you. And then we go for a fancy, tiny coffee. Yes. 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 Reclaiming it. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of coffee, I'm just going to, I've kept you for an hour, but we just have to quickly do the not so speedy speed round. Sounds good. Okay. So first question, coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. Is coffee a thing in, in Trinidad? Is that like mm, It's not. I'm not really a big coffee person, but I'm not a tea person either. <laughs> I would prefer like, like, I don't know, coffee in like a frap or like some kind <laughs> of, <laughs> not like straight coffee. But like some sort of more... ice cream and whipped cream situation. Yes. 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 Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, first car you ever had? I actually have never had a car in my life. Do I have really? never owned a car. But uh, yes, I have my license. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that because I was like, I bet she wouldn't have really needed one in Trinidad. And then you get to university. Like I didn't have a car in university because you just walk to school or take the bus or whatever right I lived on campus so. yeah yeah um all right fair enough okay final question pandemic question if you could go anywhere right now you could just go to the airport hop on a plane where would you go uh that is a great question I would probably go to Trinidad yeah um, I haven't seen my family in probably over two years mm. and not to toot, you know, our own horn, but I think Trinidad has the best food. 
So <laughs> if I can get some great food, then that would be perfect. Yeah, nice. And maybe, well, I guess you've got beaches in Florida, but still different kinds of beaches. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, well, thank you so much for coming and sharing all these stories. And um, it gives me an excuse to write yet another post and um, fill it up with all of your work. I cannot wait to see what you do next, because it's always something exciting and great. And hopefully we will meet up in Venice. Of course, we will. We will. <laughs> we will. We'll manifest it. Thank you so much. And I'll keep an eye on Instagram. Thank you for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. Awesome, right? <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. I loved it. People are going to love it. And because I'm not organized at all, this goes up tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh, do you bank your, your episodes? Like, will this be up in a month? And I'll be like, nope, it's going to be up Because <laughs> I'm just not organized enough. But um, it's better for me because I get so excited after the conversations. Right. I don't want to wait three weeks to put it up. Oh, <laughs> I was going to ask you that I forgot to, that's what I was, got stuck on. Have you mm -hmm. done a piece, um, anything with um, Amanda Gorman's image? I haven't. I want to, but I was deciding, like, I feel like I don't want to just do it. Like, I need to plan and yeah. make sure that it's a really nice piece. It would be so interesting to have you guys do something actually together, together. because you're the yeah. same age, you know, and um, you're both so prolific and poetic. It would be so cool if you guys did a collaboration. I know, even like the color, like I feel like yes. you're speaking and I could feel my pose raising, even like the colors that she wears and like yes. her clothes. She I looked could... like one of your portraits. Yes. Like it, when she did the, when she did the inauguration, like with the red and the yellow, I just instantly thought of you. Yeah. Um, and the way her hair was and everything, I was like, oh, this would be so perfect for you. And then I just, I just kept watching your Instagram because I'm like, I bet they're going to do, and I'm so the glad you didn't just do a reaction and just do her portrait so many people yeah. did that yeah and I think if you guys actually did some collaboration I can't even imagine what that would be but it would be so I powerful I, I I wish like I had a connection so that I don't know like some type of artwork where like she can speak while I'm yes. actually creating it right yeah I'm but cutting this and putting that into the interview because like we got to make that I just can't it just seems like such a no-brainer that that should happen. Yeah. Okay, we'll no. put that in the universe too. Okay, yes. Amanda Gorman. You know what? She can come to Venice with us. We'll get gelato. It'll be great. <laughs> a, a Canadian, right. uh, an American, and then and a Trinidadian. 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 Yeah. yeah, see? Now there's a... That's a melting pot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay, well, thank you so much for this. I don't think I need anything from you. I can grab it all. Um, from Instagram and stuff. Sounds and uh, yeah, you'll just see the post go up. I'll email you the link. Sounds good. Thank okay. you so, so much. Thank you so much. Have a lovely rest of your day. You too. Okay, bye. bye. Have you noticed that I end almost every podcast with a plan to meet an amazing artist in a fabulous city? <laughs> well, believe you me, I am going to make all of these coffee dates happen by 2022. To see everything that we talked about, just pop over to my site, thejealouscurator.com, for all of the images and links. And you know the drill now. While you're there, feel free to become a member of the No Such Thing as Too Much Art Society. 
That means you'll be getting daily emails from me filled with art, creative jump starters, artsy movies, and a lot more. And I promise, I promise, you will love it. Anywho, I hope you loved today's episode as much as I did. Oh, and listen to this new little tidbit that I am thrilled to be adding to the end of each episode. Art for Your Ear is part of the CoLoop Podcast Network. CoLoop, a network of creative podcasts designed to fuel your creativity. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Thank you so much to my good friend Andy J. Pizza for inviting me to be part of his new network. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.